Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome to episode number 17 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and today we're going to be continuing on the story of Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, Because of having to delay the podcast by basically another week uh, due to me having tonsillitis when I don't even have tonsils, which is... Something that baffled the life out of me, but there we go. Uh, this is going to be quite a long one. <coughs> uh, it's basically going to be two podcasts in one, so it's going to be last week's and uh, this week's. But basically, I've just decided that we're going to just finish off the whole story of Mary Queen of Scots in one go. So we'll just get into it. Uh, so in the first episode, we basically covered up until Mary was about eighteen years old. So she's just left France to head back to Scotland. So Mary has returned to Scotland to the Port of Leith in Edinburgh about nine months after the death of her husband Francis and she returned on the 19th of August in 1561. The decision to return was quite an easy one for Mary but she was constantly advised not to. Mary being Catholic would not be met kindly in Scotland it was believed due to Scotland now being a predominantly Protestant country, due to the recent religious reforms by John Knox. Now, Mary's illegitimate half-brother was Lord James Stuart, a Protestant leader himself, but met with Mary upon her return and assured her that, that despite the religious differences in Scotland, Mary would be allowed to continue to worship as she so pleased. Somewhat surprisingly, her Protestant subjects welcomed Mary home with open arms. John Knox, on the other hand, however, did continue to preach against Mary. Mary even requested a meeting with Knox, but seemingly he refused. Thereafter, Mary charged Knox with treason, but he was acquitted of this. Now, despite these tensions, Mary tolerated the Protestant ascendancy and announced that her half-brother, the Earl of Murray, would be her chief adviser. 
Mary then sent a man called William Maitland of Lethington to see Elizabeth I of England and her court to present the case that Mary should be named as heir presumptive to the English throne. Elizabeth refused, but in late 1561, a meeting between the two queens was arranged for some time in August or September in 1562 in either York or Nottingham. However, Elizabeth cancelled the meeting in the July due to civil war in France. Mary then began looking for a new husband. Potential suitors included the Archduke of Austria, and uh, Don Carlos, the heir apparent of Spain. Both of these attempts failed. Elizabeth, however, put forward her own suitor, the English Protestant Robert Dudley, the Earl of Leicester. The problem with this was, however, that Dudley was Elizabeth's favourite, and it was all a ploy so that Elizabeth could control Dudley if he was to become King of Scots. Elizabeth also sent Thomas Randolph to tell Mary that if she married an English nobleman, then Elizabeth would name Mary as heir to the English throne. Once again, Mary refused this particular proposal. Now, Mary did experience a somewhat scary experience during this particular time. There was a French poet within her court who became very enamoured with Mary, and uh, one evening he hid under her bed. When he was caught, Mary had him banished from Scotland. However, he returned two days later by bursting into her chamber as she was about to undress. As she screamed, her half-brother entered the room and Mary demanded that the poet be killed, but Murray refused. Instead, the poet was tried for treason and he was convicted and beheaded for his trouble. Now, Mary did eventually find a suitor, her half-cousin Henry Stuart, the Lord Darnley. They first met in February 1561 in France when Mary was in mourning for Francis. They met for a second time some four years later on February 17th, 1565 at Weems Castle in Fife. So like Mary, Darnley was very tall and Mary fell hopelessly in love with him. They soon married on July 29th, 1565 at Holyrood Palace in Edinburgh. The marriage certainly ruffled some feathers but none more so than Elizabeth's. Elizabeth was very worried now as both Mary and Darnley had claims to the English throne. Any children they would have would effectively kill off her bloodline. Elizabeth also maintained that the marriage should never have gone ahead without her permission, as Darnley was also her cousin and English subject. A little closer to home, and the Earl of Murray was also furious that Mary had married Darnley, but mostly because Darnley was Catholic. Murray joined in with other Protestant lords Argyll and Glencairn in an open rebellion against Mary. Mary raised an army to confront them, however the two armies never actually met in open battle. This became known as the Chase About Raid. Mary's army was boosted by the son of the Lord Huntley, followed by the return, of the, uh, by the return from exile of James Hebburn, the Earl of Bothwell. Shortly after, Murray left Scotland and sought refuge in England. This led Mary to expand her Privy Council, now featuring both Catholics and Protestants. 
Darnley became quickly disenfranchised with only being the King Consort and demanded that crown matrimonial, which would mean that he would remain King if Mary was to die before him. This immediately put a strain on their marriage and despite Mary falling pregnant in October 1565, Darnley became jealous of Mary's relationship with her Italian secretary, David Rizzio. He believed Rizzio and Mary were having an affair and that Rizzio was the real father of Mary's child. In March of 1566, Darnley was now part of a conspiracy with Protestant lords who had previously rebelled against Mary and on the 9th of March, Darnley and a group of conspirators entered a dining area in Holyrood Palace where Mary was dining with others, including Rizzio. Rizzio was understood to have been stabbed 57 times in front of Mary and it is believed that Darnley had planned for Mary to miscarry the child. However, this plan effectively did not work. Two days after this incident, Darnley defected back to Mary's side and the two of them then escaped Holyrood Palace and took took refuge at Dunbar Castle to the south-east of Edinburgh. On the 19th of June 1566, Mary gave birth to a baby boy who was named James after her father. James was born in Edinburgh Castle. Again, despite this, Mary and Darnley's marriage broke down completely. Then in the early October, Mary visited the Lord Bothwell at Hermitage Castle in the Scottish Borders after hearing that he had been injured in a skirmish with Border Reavers. Now, Border Reavers is something that we'll focus on on a later podcast. It's a subject that uh, I don't know too much about, so I'm looking forward to getting into that one. Now, after returning from this journey, Mary fell very ill from a mystery illness involving blindness, unconsciousness and a loss of speech. She started to recover in late October, and due to the fine care of French doctors and nurses in her court. On the night of the 9th of February 1567, Lord Darnley was killed. An explosion at the property of Kirkofield, Field, where he was staying, destroyed the building. However, Darnley himself was actually found in the grounds, having been smothered and had not died as a result of the explosion. It was murder. There were two suspects the Earl of Bothwell and Mary herself. Bothwell was put on trial but was acquitted in April of 1567. Following this, he got countless lords and bishops to support him in his aim to marry Mary. This began a series of events that would lead to Mary's demise. Firstly, she met her son James for the last time on the 23rd of April, 1567. He was only 10 months old. The following day she was abducted by Bothwell and possibly raped by him. On the 15th of May she married Bothwell in a Protestant ceremony. The marriage was met from all sides with disdain. On the 15th of June at Carberry Hill Mary was arrested and Bothwell allowed to leave. Mary was taken to Lochleven Castle where she was imprisoned and she had also miscarried twins. On the 24th of July, she was forced to abdicate her throne to her one-year-old son, James, 
now being brought up as a Protestant, and Mary's half-brother, the Earl of Murray, was made regent. Bothwell, on the uh, other hand, he was exiled to Denmark, where he was declared insane and died in 1578. Coming back a bit on the 2nd of May 1568, with the aid of castle owner's son, Mary escaped from Lochleven Castle. She managed to raise a sizeable army of around 6,000 who fought against Murray's army at the Battle of Langside on the 13th of May. After Mary's army was defeated, she fled south into England, hoping that her cousin down there, Elizabeth I of England, would help her get her throne back. However, Elizabeth and Mary, of course, had never really gotten along. Mary was held in many castles in England, but never in London, and never anywhere near Elizabeth. Elizabeth also ensured that Mary would stand trial for murdering Darnley, despite Mary even being a queen. One of the main evidence pieces were a series of letters apparently written by Mary to the Earl of Bothwell, They are the so-called casket letters, so-called because they were kept in a silver casket with the monogram of King Francis II of France on it. Mary denied all knowledge of these letters and insisted that they were forgeries. Not even historians today can agree on the legitimacy of these casket letters. However, Elizabeth only used this for political gain and Mary did not stand trial but was kept in custody in England. And from now Mary was kept under the custody of the Earl of Shrewsbury and she was moved around his various properties, far away from Scotland, London and the sea. By 1580 Mary's health had declined and had developed rheumatism which had left Mary lame at times. In 1584, Mary proposed to both Elizabeth and her son, who was now King James VI of Scots, that she would retire as any heir to either throne under the condition that she be released from captivity. However, James refused and he actually signed his own treaty with Elizabeth, effectively abandoning his own mother. By now, there had been a few plots to assassinate Elizabeth by Mary's supporters, However, the Babington plot, as it is now known, was the most prolific. Mary was accused of conspiring with others and had sanctioned an attempt on Elizabeth's life. Mary was once again put on trial, this time for treason, in October 1586. She denied any involvement, but also argued that as she was anointed a queen in France that she was never a subject of England, therefore could not be tried of treason. However, on the 25th of October, she was convicted and sentenced to death. And Elizabeth held out on signing the death warrant until the 1st of February 1587, and from here the execution would take place on the 8th of February. At the execution, as was tradition, the executioner asked for forgiveness before the act took place. Mary even paid the executioner, and she did forgive him. Before she placed her head on the block, she revealed a velvet petticoat that had crimson-brown sleeves. These are the colours of martyrdom in the Catholic Church. Mary's last words that she said in Latin 
and I'm not going to say in Latin, where into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. The first blow of the axe missed Mary's neck completely and instead hit the back of her head. The second strike was more precise, however, did not cut all the way through. The executioner had to saw the sinew with an axe. And again, after the act, as with tradition, the executioner lifted the head to present to the crowd, saying, God save the Queen. Of course, Elizabeth, not Mary. And everyone was shocked to see that he was only holding a handful of hair. In captivity, Mary had lost almost all of her hair, and she was almost completely bald. Another story is that after a few minutes, Mary's blood-soaked dog ran out from underneath her petticoat. After the execution took place, Mary's entrails were removed from her body. That's just something that happens uh, before the embalming process. And the entrails were buried somewhere in the grounds of Fotheringay Castle, which is where Mary's execution took place. Fotheringay Castle no longer exists. You won't, you won't find it anywhere. Uh, but Mary's body was taken and initially buried at Peterborough Cathedral, in July 1587. However, her son, now King James VI of Scots, and after the death of Elizabeth I of England, he also became James I of England, had Mary's body exhumed and reinterred at Westminster Abbey in the tomb that is directly across from Elizabeth's. Now, after the execution as well, a death mask was made, which is a plaster cast of the queen's face and it is now kept on display at her birthplace in Linlithgow Palace. So folks I hope that this episode was worth waiting for Um, it's again it's it's just a little bit longer I thought it was going to be a good sort of 40 minutes or so but um, maybe not. Um, So once again folks I just want to thank you all very very much for your support of the podcast again thank you very much for bearing with me again for another uh, another week um just everything uh, seems to be going wrong with my body at the moment so um thankfully i've got my voice back uh, which was a bit concerning last week uh, but anyway again thank you very much for your support uh, again if you want to throw some support uh, here we've got the patreon page and um, it's for those of you who feel as though you know you would like to um chuck a little donation uh, here and there so for £3 every single month, you can support the podcast. If you can't afford that, don't worry about it. Uh, there is an option instead for £1 per month. Um, but again, if you can't afford it, don't worry about it. Um, you know, uh, For those of you that support the page via Patreon, it is um, very much appreciated. You know, It covers the costs of making the podcast. You know, The podcast is completely free, whatever it is that you listen to it. Um, but it does cost money, uh, affectionately, to um, to produce it, and you know for hosting fees and stuff. So, again, to those of you uh, that support on Patreon, that's fantastic. But if you would like to go to Patreon.com or Patreon.com uh, forward slash Scott History Pod, and uh, you can donate on there. Uh, if you would like to make even just a one-off donation, you can just send me an email at scotthistorypod at gmail.com. And that's, of course, if you, even if you just want to um, email me to ask a question, have a chat, whatever, I'm always up for a chat. 
so the podcast, if you're new, then obviously you're listening to it already, so you know where it's available. But we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as uh, every podcast getting uploaded onto YouTube as well. If you're uh, if you're more of a YouTube fan. Uh, I mentioned the uh, the email there, uh, scotthistorypod at gmail.com, uh, facebook.com forward slash scotthistorypod, and Twitter, the handle is at scotthistorypod, and uh, also on Instagram as well, I've been sharing a, a, a picture a week or so on Instagram of uh, various different things, so head over there, you can give me a little follow and uh, yeah so I'll just leave that there folks thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you again next time cheers It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.